0: Welcome back to another Cardinals off day podcast. The Cardinals are 90 and 72. They are not on pace for anything because the season is over. Today was the final day. Uh, I am Ben Godar, a listener pointed out. Uh, we often just kind of ping pong back as Ben and Ben. So (laughs) I'll introduce myself, Ben Humphrey. How are you doing today?
1: Uh, I am doing very well. Uh, I have enjoyed sort of the leisurely nature of baseball uh, the last week or so. Since the Cardinals clinched a playoff berth, we knew what their status amongst the playoff field was. And so they could just kind of be a little bit more leisurely in their baseball uh, than other teams. And we as fans didn't have any anxiety one looking at the scoreboard anymore, wondering what other teams are doing. And so the Cardinals could just kind of keep guys fresh, try to avoid injuries, uh, and uh, keep everyone sharp as well uh, for the postseason game. And then today was Mike Shannon's final regular season broadcast, um, and I thought there were some uh, very nice tributes to him, uh, and it clearly meant a lot to him, uh, his career, and how the fans and organization have supported him, and I thought that was a really nice end to the season today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we might touch on that just a little bit more in a second here. I think we're going to um, hit on just a few kind of um, kind of recent sort of news things here up top. But most of what we're going to do today is is uh, going to be previewing the wildcard game coming up on Wednesday. So we've got a couple off days in a row here. And then obviously the Cardinals are in that one game coin flip game, which hopefully they can get through and, and have a... Uh, a proper postseason, if you will, uh, but then something I did just in the last 24 hours or so, I went back and dug up our preseason win total projections. Do you happen to remember what your preseason or in-season win total projection was? Uh, I do not recall. I think it probably would have been around 90 wins. You you are correct. Now we uh, so actually on a on a May 16th, I think we were actually a little squishy in our our kind of pre um, uh, show. But on May 16th, we did an episode. We had Al- Alex Crisofulli on from Chirps, friend of the pod. Uh, and we, we talked about our kind of collective uh, projections. And that was at a point where Uh, that was sort of the other point this season where the Cardinals were doing well (laughs) and they were on pace to win 93 games. And basically the framework of that conversation was how that had maybe changed our, our thoughts. So, so Ben, you had project, you had start at the beginning of the season, you had projected 90 wins on May 16th. You, you revised that to 92. Um, I had projected uh, 88 wins at the beginning of the season, because again, I believe the Cardinals are formulated in a lab to win 88 games. Um, I revised that to 91 wins on May 16th. Uh, Alex um, had projected 89 wins at the beginning of the season. And uh, Alex stuck with 89 wins on May 16th. So we had uh, 89, 91, and 92 wins uh, between us. So uh, we were all pretty darn accurate there. Of course, the betting markets, remember, preseason had the Cardinals at 85 wins. Zips had the Cardinals at 81 wins. And the loathsome Pocota had the Cardinals at eighty wins. So for I believe the two hundred seventh season in a row, the Cardinals beat their uh, Pocota projections. So um, anyway, I just I thought it was interesting to kind of circle back on that, especially since we were reasonably close. Ben, if I look back and we were way off, I would not be bringing these numbers up at all.
1: <laughs> yeah they they were a they were a team. Uh, that i think was structured to compete and win the nl east more than the nl central uh the brewers pitching was just too much to overcome and so i it has been pretty interesting to see uh how well milwaukee has done because their pitching has turned out so well Uh, whereas their (laughs) offense has not been particularly good uh in between or in particular excuse me uh christian yelich who's you know they Heart of the order guy and, and supposed MVP candidate uh, before a couple years ago. Uh, he was an M- MVP candidate, but not very good this year. And so um, it was interesting that even though so many things went wrong for the Cardinals this year, they were able to add arms on the fly and overcome some of their pitching issues and then, you know, kind of catch lightning in a bottle in September and ride that to the second wild card.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting. And, um, and it's just interesting to look back at the course of the season too. I think, you know, they went through, you know, really after basic sixteenth there, I mean, through June and July and, you know, Cardinals really went through a real kind of low ebb there. I think that was pretty disappointing for a lot of us, you know, but then of course, uh, you know, real torrid stretch there at the end. So, um, you know, is that just that, you know, things balanced out and over 162, and this was always kind of their true talent level, and they just achieved it at a pretty uneven level? I I don't know. Baseball's weird. So (laughs) maybe that's all, maybe that's all it was. Um, uh, You mentioned Mike Shannon. Um, I know you and I both listened to the game today. I think today of all days was a really good day to I love I always enjoy listening to a game, but I knew for Mike Shannon's last day I wanted to be uh you know listening to it as opposed to watching it. Um any uh any just moments or aspects of it that stood out to you that you wanted to to mention uh to me, you know, when they
1: went through the opening ceremony And then they got to Mike Shannon to speak, and he was uh, so overcome with emotion that he couldn't finish his prepared remarks. And then Rooney came in like he has done so many times, in particular this year after Shannon's bout with COVID-19, he has not been as sharp. Um, And so Rooney coming in and kind of filling in the blanks, uh, it was a very... Uh, sweet moment and and something that was emblematic of the way this season has gone um and then you know when he rejoined the broadcast uh after the rain delay with the stories you know that was really uh an enjoyable thing and seemed to pick up his spirits as well
0: yeah uh Absolutely, and and you know the rain delay. What a magical thing for us to you know to get today, because (laughs) that was absolutely the gold of the whole thing. Because you know, did we really did we really need or or want to hear Mike Shannon call a a meaningless you know Cardinals Cubs one sixty two? You know, I didn't I didn't need that. I didn't need to hear him say Frank Schwindel. Um, you know, four times or five times this afternoon. But man, as soon as that rain delay started, I, I like my excitement got up. I was like, oh my gosh, they're in a rain delay. Are they just going to let Mike start talking? And of course, he did. And um, our I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Our, our good friend Dan, who's at Book Owl on Twitter, <laughs> had a pretty good tweet noting that uh, at one point early on. Uh, Shannon went from a, a naked woman on a bike to Randy Johnson to Bill White to Chuck Berry in about two minutes, and it was just—it was a really like classic Mike Shannon riff, you know, where it's just like a story that leads into a story that leads into a story, and um, we've heard so many of those over the years. And these last few few years, he's been on the broadcast less. When he's on the broadcast, he's not, you know, quite. You know been at his you know the peaks of his powers so it was really it was it reminded me that rain delay reminded me of like a great band like coming out for an encore and like playing their hit song <laughs> you know it was like it was great to just kind of enjoy that a little bit more and the other thing that i i really enjoyed today uh, a, a blog of her own which is a, another just great twitter follow i couldn't recommend highly enough if you're a cardinals fan um but she tweeted out and she just over the years she's done a great job of just cataloging just little idiosyncratic mike shannon isms and so she tweeted out just some of the best of those from I mean, I think some of them were from, you know, seven, eight years ago. And so um, if you don't follow, you, heard you should and just go back and look through the feed because there were some great things in there as well. So um, so anyway, it was a it was a nice, nice kind of farewell, I thought, to Mike as well. Um, the other thing I just called him Mike, like we're like we're buds.
1: <laughs> well, with the number of hours that uh, we have spent with him, albeit, you know, not interacting in any meaningful way, just listening to him. Uh, It
0: does feel like you're almost on a first name basis with him. It does. No, you know what? It genuinely does. And I was thinking about that and I I was thinking like, I don't think this is really going to hit me until next year when like, when just, he's just not there at all. I think that's when I'll really kind of be aware of it because yeah, I mean, I've been listening to Mike Shannon call Cardinals games since you know i mean i it was probably in the early 90s for me that i started to listen to at least some games you know so i had you know a, a good decade or so of you know listening to him and jack buck together and then him you know since then and so yeah, I mean I've been I've been, you know, spending my summers with Mike Shannon, you know, longer than I've been married to my wife or my kids have been alive or you know, so uh, <laughs> there's there's some years. I've in spent more life.
1: hours listening to Mike Shannon call Cardinals games than I've spent with my wife. No, I yeah, um, absolutely <laughs> it, um and it may be true for for depending on where you are in that uh in that age range, you know, yeah. uh with uh, in terms of relative to when you kind of started listening to games on the radio, uh, and when you
0: met your wife, but you do, it, you spend a lot of hours true, and with it, it may be something that I should share with my therapist. It may shed some light on some just other you know things going on in the world. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we uh, uh the other the other kind of bit of you know breaking news this week, although it wasn't unexpected is, of course, we did get the, uh, the one-year uh, Adam Wainwright extension. Um, so Ben, what was your reaction to that or your kind of thoughts on that now that that is a, a done deal?
1: Well, my first thought is related to the Yadier Molina extension as well, and contrasting 2021 to 2020. And so we have talked before about You know, there hasn't been a lot of reporting on it, Um, and and our takeaway has been from the Cardinals' offseason leading into this season that ownership very clearly put a harder cap on baseball operations payroll than they have in years past. And that cap forced the front office to do things that are not, typical for the St. Louis Cardinals front office. And, and one of those things is they denied Colton Wong's uh, option year. But the other thing is they didn't negotiate extensions with their red jacket veterans in Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright during the season. They let them become free agents, waited throughout the hot stove, and ultimately agreed to deals with them. Um, And this year, what we're seeing is something that is much more common for this team. uh, And that is reaching out and getting these guys locked down before the offseason begins so that they have cost certainty, they have them on the team, and they're building the team in part around them. And so it was, for me, very good to see because you know, we all watch the games on television and we see how empty the seats are. And so it's been pretty interesting to hear that the Cardinals are still going to be one of the the teams with higher attendance across baseball, um, albeit not as high as it was before COVID-19 and the pandemic. And yeah. so I think this is a very good sign uh, in terms of how ownership is viewing the team's finances. They appear to feel that they're pretty healthy and feel good about them for next year. And so that that was my first takeaway uh, was, I think this bodes well uh, for the team's financial health. This is more in line with what we've come to expect from the team. And I think this gives the team a foundation now to go out and and fill in other holes via free agency or trade. Uh, So what did you think?
0: Well, I hope you're, I, I absolutely hope you're right on that. I think that's a good point about them acting early and hopefully being yet another sign that there is more um, financial certainty and more confidence and they they will, you know, spend more um, on the radio broadcast today. They did mention that I guess the, the Cardinals are, um, I believe, finishing fourth in attendance this year. But even there, they, when they listed those numbers, you know, and, and they included this for context, which I thought was good you know, it's varied from city to city. How many games could each team have with potentially full capacity? And so, um, you know, I think someone would have to do a little bit of a deeper dive into those numbers to get into, you know, what does that really mean? Because I, as I recall, I think fifth was that was the, the, the Texas Rangers who were at full capacity for like all 81 of their games. I think they said the Cardinals had like 50 games they were at, you know, but some of the um, the Dodgers, who I think were number one, I think they, th- it was in the '40s that they were at full capacity, you know. So it's one of those. It's a it's a really weird year to. I mean, attendance is always a really complicated thing, and just the relative, you know, con you know, comparing the economies and all this in different cities is always really complicated. But even more so this year. Um, but but yeah, no, I agree. This is a good sign. Um, th- the other thing for me, um, is just uh, I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to see Wainwright and Yachty hopefully break that record for most starts by a battery i just think that would be such a cool thing for the two of them to share i believe it's 20 is the number that they need next year um, which is 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 doable but it's it's going to be challenging you know i mean they're they're older guys and you know if if wainwright has a you know a uh, you know, uh, even just, you know, a finger, or a, you know, a, a back or something, you know, and has to miss a couple of weeks and, you know, Yachty takes a foul ball, um, you know, off the, off the berries or the hand, you know, um, uh, you know, it it, it it may not happen, but in a way, maybe it'll be even more fun that it's, it's not like three or something that would be like almost a slam dunk, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, hopefully they can, they can hold out. Cause that would be, I've I just feel like that would be a really, cool record for those two guys to achieve
1: yes it, it's really wonderful to have him come back uh you know i i often say my prospect watching began with rick and keel um and since the cardinals really didn't have much coming up between rick and keel and adam wainwright <laughs> um adam wainwright was kind of th- the second prospect where i really was engaged and that was of course after the trade uh, with the atlanta braves um, yeah. but getting to watch him pitch in triple a uh, before he made his big league debut then in 2006 and you know you root for all the cardinals but if you had a chance to see a, a kid play in the minors you kind of pull just a little bit harder for him when they make uh-huh. it up to the big leagues and then to have him become the postseason closer uh, and how magical that was uh, he certainly i think one of place or in a lot of Cardinals fans hearts. Uh, and that, that place has gotten bigger, uh, as he has accrued more and more innings, uh, pitching with the skill he has pitched. Uh, and this year, uh, you know, it's just been really amazing how well he has done and so much fun to watch. And really, you know, it's been said a lot of times and, you know, we said the, the player, the Cardinals could least afford to have injured was Jack Flaherty. Um, but really, you know, in retrospect, you know, it might be Adam Wainwright because he's up over 200 innings pitched. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of help with his deep from his defense, um, but he has still pitched well. And so, yeah. you know, he was really the the life preserver on this team that helped them keep their head above water uh, just enough so they could make the right. September run.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and that's a that's a pretty good segue, Ben, um, leading us into our our wild card game preview. Um, and uh, you know, we identified a few areas we wanted to look at here. Um, again, we're a, we're a semi regular podcast here. We're about off days during the regular season. We don't usually get to kind of focus in on one game like this, but that's what we have here today. This is a one game series, so we know we're going to have Adam Wainwright, and we know that he's going to face Max Scherzer. So. Um, You know, uh, I think if you're going to analyze a single game, that starting pitching matchup is where you're going to start. So uh, let's uh, let's go full a boxing tale of the tape here, Ben. Uh, What do you uh, what do you think? What are we looking at here? Well, you have kind of
1: the, you know, in a way it feels almost like a like a Rocky Balboa. Uh, boxing right-handed type setup where not that Wainwright has to come out and do things completely different, but on paper, right. Max Scherzer's, you know, one of, if not the best pitcher in major league baseball. And I shouldn't even say on paper, I should just say it as Max right. Scherzer
0: is on, one on of, paper, if not the on best. A, on, a, on a pitcher's mound, like if we went into a Chuck E. Cheese, he would be one of the, yeah, anywhere we went. <laughs> yes. The best
1: pitcher in baseball. And so – Uh, Adam Wainwright has had a wonderful season. Um, and, uh, but he's, you know, he is not in the same group as Max Scherzer. Uh, so I, I feel like describing this matchup is kind of like, you know, Wainwright and the Cardinals have a puncher's chance, you know, the, the offense has coalesced, uh, in the last month and has gone on some good runs, uh, and put together some very impressive statistics, but you know, Max Scherzer probably doesn't care (laughs) and he will. And it doesn't matter who you line up against him. He's uh, more likely than not going to shut you down because whatever he hits, he destroys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so uh, looking at perhaps the biggest development, uh, Made me immediately think of Adam Wainwright, and that was Muncie's injury today. And I have not seen how severe
0: it is. Uh, and well, whether or not I, I, watched he- it. I watched it live, he is not playing baseball on Wednesday. I don't think he's playing baseball the rest of this season, it looked really bad. It was, it was exactly, it was exactly the Albert Pujols injury from 2011. He, he, he had a bad throw coming over from third base and he reached into the first baseline and the runner just, just wrecked his outstretched arm. Oh,
1: um, I, I had only heard it described, not quite in such colorful terms. Um, so if he is out, you know, this is a, and, and this is a guy who's going to get MVP votes, and and if he's not the MVP, he's going to be pretty high. I don't think he's probably the MVP, but I think he's going to be pretty high up there. Right. He's a very prolific hitter. He's also a left-handed hitter, and mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright has over the last few years struggled more with lefties uh, than righties, wow. which makes sense with his curveball. And so, if you take a left-handed hitter, the caliber of Muncie out of that dodgers lineup you know that is that is a positive thing for the st louis cardinals now the dodgers have a very deep bench and they are very flexible with how they align people in the field but max muncie isn't a batter who you can easily just replace even on a lineup as or a
0: roster as deep as the dodgers I agree. If I could wish for any Dodger to have a horrific injury right before this game, and I'll be honest, I'm a bad person. I'm not above wishing for such a thing. No, I didn't wish for it, but it did happen. No, but you're right. Mun- Muncie is, was probably the scariest hitter there. So that, that I think that helps Wainwright as well. Um, no, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think I, I like the framework of a, a puncher's chance. I think that's a really good way to frame it. Um, you know, when we compare Wainwright and, Scherzer, the other thing that I think it's important to kind of keep in mind is, you know, Adam Wainwright is much more valuable as a regular season pitcher than he is as a postseason pitcher, because a lot of the value that Adam Wainwright brings you is he, he brings you tremendous length, which is so nuts, even at his advanced age. But, you know, I mean, he, I didn't, and actually I didn't check where he ended up, but he ended up what, like second, third in innings pitched this year, you know, with, with, a, you know, very, very good, per, um, you know, numbers throughout those innings pitched. Um, you know, extremely reliable, saves your bullpen, you know, that is a super, super valuable guy over the course of a full season. Um, But some of those qualities are a little less valuable in the playoffs, because you just don't need to do that as much. It's not, you're not so worried about saving your bullpen. So, you know, unfortunately, in the postseason, you would rather have a, a Corbin burns type guy who's maybe only gonna go out there for five innings, but he is just gonna absolutely mow the opposition down for those five innings and uh you know and Wainwright's not that guy Wainwright's gonna go out there and he's gonna um you know hopefully kind of you know work the corners um you know kind of you know uh pitch to what will hopefully be soft contact. Um, you know, get, get some strikeouts here and there um, and, you know, hopefully kind of, you know, work through and get you kind of later into the innings. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, you know, that's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's where it's going to be. The other thing I think is worth noting in terms of the starting pitching matchup is just the fact that um, Scherzer has been really bad in his last two starts um, after being just completely elite since he came to the Dodgers, his last two starts, um, uh, neither one has gone. He, he went five innings and then he went five and a third he gave up um, five runs um, and then six runs with uh, uh, six hits and eleven hits um, in each of those games, um, and a total of three run, three home runs, excuse me, across those two games. So these la- his last two outings, he's been pretty bad. I ha- I haven't seen or heard anything about him being injured. He does have kind of a chronic back thing that can kind of you know flare up. It could be something like that. It could just be. Um, you know, it could just be a fluke, of course, you know, he could come out and be completely dominant as well. But, you know, that said, I'm at least glad that he's he's coming in off a couple rough outings. And I think there's some hope that, you know, maybe you're just catching him on a little bit of a of a downturn, too, because, again, it's just so, it's just it's one game. <laughs> you know, we talked about this a little bit last time, like, um, you know, and we are going to analyze this today. But like, it's it's one game, like literally anything could happen. <laughs> so, um Right. Anything else? The, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, the the thing that I think is
1: is could come into play, um, and you know, as you said, it's one game. We don't know, but will Roberts go out and get Scherzer early? You know, is that the Dodgers' culture? Does Scherzer fit into yeah. that? Is he going to accept that? we know that Mike Schilt probably won't go get Adam Wainwright. And you talked about how valuable he is as a regular season pitcher, and that's a part of his identity and what he values. And it's clear that Schilt values the innings that he gives as well. And if 2019 is any indication, it sure seems like uh, Schilt is going to give Adam Wainwright enough rope to hang himself and lose the game. Um, You know, he will let Wainwright pitch into trouble and try to pitch out of trouble in a way that sets the team up for trouble. And so will that backfire
0: and how is that going to work? I think that's, I mean, that's, I would say that's my biggest fear going into this game. That's that's the thing where I can most see it going wrong is see something like that happens, And particularly if Wainwright's in trouble before about the sixth inning. I do think that Shields pretty confident in his kind of back end of the game um, bullpen. So as much as he's confident in Wainwright, I do think if, if Wainwright's starting to falter you know, by say the sixth inning or definitely by the seventh inning, I, I do think he probably goes and gets him pretty quickly. But, but yeah, we know that like a, a Tony LaRussa, you know, would have, you know, if it was the third inning, if it was the fourth inning in and a, a, you know, win or go home game like this, he wouldn't have had any uh, hesitation about going and, and getting a guy. And uh, I worry about that with Schilt for sure. So um, anything else on the, the starters or do you want to move on to the, the offenses? Um, the starters, the other thing that is problematic
1: for the Cardinals is Scherzer's good no matter what hand you bat, or, you know, obviously, and some pitchers are so good, it really doesn't matter what arm they throw with. But the Cardinals, you know, they're a pretty right-handed team, and Scherzer, of course, throws right-handed. And and you have talked about, you know, for example, Tommy Edmund is not really uh, a switch hitter. He he kind of pretends to bat left-handed and he's been really terrible in September. And this is a game that you really can't afford to go into the game pulling dead weight like Edmund um in the lineup, let alone giving that dead weight the most amount of plate appearances. Um, But also, the Cardinals' best hitters, um, you know, specifically the Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Arenado, heart of that order, I mean, they're going to have to face a very nasty right-handed pitcher. And we've talked also on this podcast about, this was before the trade deadline, how they needed to get more left-handed to balance out that lineup and make them more of a threat. Whereas the Dodgers have built their roster to leverage platoon splits, the Cardinals have not. So you're going to see guys uh, who are not in a matchup that is the best for their skill levels on the Cardinals side and making just because the pitcher's right-handed and making that matchup even worse is the fact that it's, you know, one of the best right-handed pitchers in baseball and a future hall of famer.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and so j- jumping ahead to talk about the offenses, and, and so I, I just did a little bit of looking. And, I mean, the, the Dodgers offense is a juggernaut. I think we all know that, right? So I um, I just did some looking to say, but, well, the Cardinals, I, I think as we all know over the last month or so, we've seen a, a different profile from this Cardinals offense overall in terms of what they've done. Now, is that long enough that we can really say this is meaningful, this is who we are? I don't know. That's That's up in the air. But let's just – Set that aside for a second. So from April through August, the Dodgers as a team posted a, a 105 weighted runs created plus, one of the top offenses in the league. The Cardinals were a uh, 93. They're kind of a bottom third uh, team there. All right. Now in September, of course, the Cardinals jumped um, to become, um, I believe they were top five uh, as uh, themselves. Uh, it's from September, October, the Cardinals um, have posted a 114 WRC plus as a team. Okay. But the Dodgers during that time um, have been a 108 weighted runs created plus. So the Dodgers have been almost the same as they have been all season, but actually just a little bit better too. <laughs> and so, and that was something I saw in this last week as well. You know, the uh, the Cardinals um, finishing the season out. The, the Cardinals are the hottest team, um, you know, in September, October going into the playoffs but the second and third hottest teams going into the playoffs were the Giants and Dodgers. So, you know, it's just like – it's not just that these teams that the Cardinals are going to have to – we're always going to have to sort through in a one game and then a division series are 100-plus win teams. They also happen to be incredibly hot at the end, you know, and and playing really well at the end of the season too. So, um, you know, I think the best thing we can – I think, it, you know, if we buy into the, the the offense that we've seen from the Cardinals over this last month, and, and I think we can to an extent, because I do think there's a lot of legitimate improvement there. And I think we can really, you know, hope that that can continue. But um, I think we need to recognize that if we buy into that improved Cardinals offense, they really, the, I think the best case scenario of that is that they may have risen to about the level that the Dodgers have been at, you know, all season and kind of maintained all season. Uh what Ben what do you think when you look at these offenses beyond the platoon point which you made which is an, an excellent point. Uh, it's just, you know, I I was looking at
1: at the stats obviously just out of curiosity uh a couple weeks ago and you know, I was looking like how many above ha- above average hitters you know, do these lineups have? And, you know, what was amazing to me is just the number of players who are having really good years and and are not only a good hitter, but like MVP caliber (laughs) production for the Dodgers. Like there's just so much depth on that team between, you know, Trey Turner and Seager. Uh, Muncy is now out, but Pollock is having a great year. Uh, yeah. You know, even even better than Mookie Betts, and you know Justin Turner is nothing to sneeze at either. He's having a, an excellent year also, uh-huh. and uh, you know some of the the lesser known players, you know, on that team like a a Chris Taylor, yeah, you know, like he's he's good as well. And so you just look at the depth that they have and. The flexibility that they have to get players uh, into the lineup and leverage that depth to the greatest degree possible. And it is a, a very formidable team, and you can see how it's, you know, uh, this team has been a wire to wire, you know, second wild card, uh, or excuse me, first wild card winner, second in the National League West to. A historically great San Francisco team, you know, mm-hmm. for for that franchise's history, and so, you know, they are they are a very good lineup. Now that being said, I think the Cardinals right now, you know, the the lineup is healthy, and you're seeing some of the depth that the front office had hoped for uh, from that Cardinals lineup as well. It's just probably a little bit shallower. Uh, than the Los Angeles lineup, but you go, you know, like, like two through five, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a nice little run of batters for the Cardinals. And and those are the guys who are going to have to get it done against the Dodgers and anything else uh, is just bonus. And, you know, those guys, you're going to look to them to produce, which of course is true in most games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so w- what about the bullpens? Um, I haven't really touched on the bullpens. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, I'll be honest, I don't see a whole lot in the bullpens here. That's of a lot of interest to me. Um, just for context, um, overall on the season, um, the, the Dodgers are seventh and fifth um, for their bullpen 3.82. The Cardinals are eighth 4.03. So statistically, you know, fairly similar, um, uh, you know, t- to me, these both look like pretty good, pretty competent bullpens. So I feel like, you know, if, if one of these teams, you know, puts together uh, a lead of a few runs and then, you know, delivers it to uh, a bullpen, you know, to, to get the, uh, you know, final, uh, you know, save, you know nine outs or, or 12 outs or whatever it ends up being um you know i think they're probably going to be in in fairly good hands um wh- what do you think ben yeah
1: i i think the big question is in in this context is how deep adam wainwright can go and how schilt bridges any potential gap between Wainwright. And uh, Gallegos, and so, like to me, the biggest question entering this game, you have to assume that Scherzer's going to give them at least six innings, and that lines up pretty well for Roberts to, you know, go to the the pitchers he wants to use against the Cardinals' batters that he wants to use them against, and so uh, the the question to me is who do you go to if you have to get more than three innings pitched out of your bullpen if you're Mike Schilt? And, you know, we have Garcia, we have McFarlane, and, and he can make those choices, but how does Flaherty mix in there, and how does Cabrera mix in there? And, you know, in particular with the way that the, the Dodgers can construct their lineup from both sides of the plate, I, I just think it's going to be Very interesting to see how Schilt plays the matchups uh, if he has to string together a chain of relievers to get from Adam Wainwright to Giovanni Gallegos
0: in the ninth. I agree, but you just listed all the names that I would be looking for there. Uh, Cabrera, Garcia, McFarland... Um, I would add Whitley in there, probably you know below those names, but as another guy who potentially could be in there. And then, yeah, Flaherty is the real wild card, and, and Flaherty actually looked pretty good today. I thought, you know, in that one inning role, I man, I don't know what you do with Flaherty. I mean, if 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 you're if you're confident that he can that he can be Jack Flaherty for one inning. I think you absolutely throw him out there in a high leverage situation, but if you're if you're not really sure, I, I think you probably I think you probably don't, you know, because uh, because those guys we just mentioned are are pretty good, and I do feel like he's got, um, you know, again, and we, for a lot of the season we talked about how he just had no options out there, and he really does have some pretty good options now, um, you know, um. Uh, you know, McFarland is a guy who does really well kind of coming in in the middle of the innings. The Cardinals love to find these these ground ball pitchers that they believe can, you know, magically get them double plays. And, you know, McFarland fits that, but McFarland's also a lefty. Um, he just, McFarland's really been a nice guy for them to slot in kind of, you know, matchup-wise. And then, um, yeah, Cabrera and Garcia, you know, have both, um, you know, been pretty pretty strong lately. And, and I should say, as far as the the Dodgers... Bullpen goes. I don't watch enough Dodgers games and I have been watching the Dodgers real closely. So I couldn't really tell you a lot about the current form of their bullpen or kind of the usage there. So I certainly hope that it's a it's a mess. And uh, and Dave Roberts is going to the wrong guys, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I sense the you know the Dodgers front office is you know like a you know a hundred geniuses and a supercomputer making every decision, and then you know wiring it directly into Dave Roberts. I just I generally don't expect that those are things that are going to happen in the uh, the Dodgers decision making process.
1: Uh, you know, one of the the fun things I guess about the Dodgers is of course, former Cardinal Joe Kelly is on the Dodgers and surprise, surprise. uh, Basically he went to Los Angeles and became the pitcher you thought he might be able to become given his stuff. Um, You know, he has that high fifties ground ball rate, uh, a healthy strikeout rate. I mean, he's a very good pitcher and, and, I know he's also a fan favorite because
0: he's fun, um, but well, he's also really very violent. He's also a very violent man and people like that. So he starts a lot of fights <laughs> and fans yes, love that. He, he does. It's fans love it. It's really but fun it's been- during the playing days. It's not going to be so fun when there's a very unfortunate story shortly after his playing days about a personal thing that happens. And then we'll learn about some some real darkness we didn't know about before. But for now, it's fun. <laughs>
1: Yes, it's it's fun. The way that Joe Pesci's uh, character in Goodfellas was fun uh, exactly. until he wasn't. Uh, but you know, it's fascinating to me. And we've also talked about this with the Cardinals front office uh, and other front offices, and whether they have the skill or not to take a player and make that player better based on the skill set of that player. And the Dodgers, you know, I don't know how they approached Joe Kelly, uh, how they communicated it to him, uh, but he he basically signed with LA and with the way that they have used him and the way that he has pitched, he has become the pitcher that was kind of a best case scenario projection uh, when he was coming up through the Cardinals system, albeit as a reliever, maybe the best case scenario uh, was more of this type of ground ball rate as a starter. But um, so I would not be surprised if we see him, uh, you know, at some point in the wild card game as well, and of course, we'll all be cheering against him uh, for the first
0: time in a while in the postseason. Well, and I mean, as long as we're talking about uh, you know former Cardinals too, I think we can assume with uh, the injury uh, to Muncy that Albert Pujols is going to be starting at first base. Would be my assumption. I know he's. I I don't know for certain. I mean, I know they've generally used him against left-handed starters. Um, but, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. Are you aware of another way they might configure that? Um, I he was playing I mean, I this hurt recently, but he, he came into the game today. Um, they do have Chris Taylor on the bench and Chris Taylor's pretty versatile. So, um, and, and maybe hasn't Bellinger played Bellinger. That's the only thing I'm wondering Bellinger. is maybe Bellinger goes to first and Taylor, you know, goes into the outfield. That might be what they do instead. So, um, But I mean, for maximum drama, of course, I'd love to see Pujols out there, and I'd love to see some some Wainwright Pujols matchups, um, you know, and and Yandy behind the dish. That's just uh, that's just good narrative content there, frankly. And I think that uh, you know Manfred should should frankly order them to to make that happen because that's just good television right there.
1: Oh, it it would be great television, and I uh, second your plea for Manfred to mandate it because Albert Pujols against right-handed hitters, or excuse me, right-handed pitchers this year is batting 180, 180 average, 233 on base percentage, 266 slugging. That works out to a 220 weighted on base average or a 36
0: weighted runs created plus. Exactly. And that's why he should be batting in the three spot there. And, 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 reminding me of those numbers also gives me confidence that there is a 0% chance that the Los Angeles Dodgers will start him there because they're just too savvy an organization to, to line up like that. So, um, all right. Uh, so then, um, I think we've kind of looked at all the aspects of this game. So, uh, what do you think ultimately wins or loses this game? Um,
1: I, I, Here's what I will say is that I feel very similar and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, uh, but I ver- feel very similarly about this game as I did about the 2001 uh, NLDS between the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks when the Diamondbacks had Schilling and Randy Johnson. Yeah. Um, and I feel very similar about the, the Wainwright versus Scherzer matchup, uh, as I did about the Matt Morris versus Schilling matchup, uh, which uh, the Cardinals lost both of those uh, in that series. If my memory serves me correctly, even though Morris pitched extremely well, and so um, I and the Cardinals lost that series, but I I feel good about the Cardinals' chances, even though they are on the road facing a a very great team um and and so i'm i'm gonna go with the devil magic and i am going to choose the cardinals uh, which might shock our readers who or our readers listen to me our listeners who who may have come to expect me to be very uh cold-hearted and rational in all of my uh cardinals assessments but here today i i'm gonna we likened it to a rocky movie earlier in the episode i'm gonna go with rocky i'm gonna choose the cardinals
0: I love it. I love it. I didn't even know. I didn't know we were making picks, but I'm glad. I'm glad we're making picks here. Um, and, I, you know, I'm glad you hearken back to those Diamondbacks uh, in those Diamondbacks series, too, because I remember I was always terrified of Randy Johnson, and I feel like the Cardinals beat Randy Johnson in every Randy Johnson start when they would play those Diamondbacks teams. And, um, and I, I can look back and see, and I'm sure my memory is somewhat faulty, but it, it just it just goes to show again in, in in limited series in one game, it just it doesn't uh, you, you know you you can't um, you, you know you, you can't say well this is the better team this is the better pick pitcher therefore they are absolutely going to win you know they call this a coin flip game for a reason you know is is Max Scherzer in 2021 a better pitcher than Adam Wainwright absolutely are the Los Angeles Dodgers were they a better team this year than the St. Louis Cardinals? Absolutely. At the end of the season, were they a better team than the Cardinals? Well, it's a little bit closer. It's a little bit closer. It's maybe more of a toss up, but this game is still, you know, going to come down to a toss up. So um, you've been using the boxing metaphor, which I think is great. And that idea of a puncher's chance, I've been thinking about, about poker and, you know, the, one of the kind of edicts in poker is you need to stay at the table, right? Because, Um, you, you know, eventually you're going to get some good hands. You're going to get some good cards. And so a a sure way to lose if you're playing poker is just to play really, really aggressive with, with, you know, bad cards and you're going to go out early. If you stay at the table long enough, you know, your stack will kind of wean down a little bit, but eventually you'll get some good, good hands and and you'll have a chance to build it up. And I think that's what the Cardinals are going to need to do in this game is they're just going to need to stay at the table. Um, And you know, sometimes you talk about uh, does one team win a game or does another team lose a game? I think the best, uh, you know, the best chance the Cardinals have here is to not lose this game. And honestly, I think the Cardinals are very good at not losing games because the Cardinals play absolutely superior defense, and so they, um, you know, and and that really can can prevent them from, um, you know, from losing games. And so I think as long as you know, their starting pitcher doesn't get shelled, they should be able to hang around. And as long as you're hanging around, you, there's a chance that the other team is going to blow, you know, the pitcher is going to blow up. There's going to be some kind of a, a massive defensive miscue. And, you know, and suddenly you put up an inning with a crooked number and that can be enough to, you know, to win you the game. So, um, so that's, that's what I'm going to be looking for here is for, you know, Wainwright to, give him that chance to, to hang around, hang in the game and, you know, Scherzer to be enough off his game or the Dodgers to make a mistake to provide an opening and the Cardinals to, to burst through that opening and, and, you know, pour on enough runs that the Dodgers can't claw their way back in. So I'm with you, Ben, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling confident. Let's, I'm I'm, I'm hoping for a Cardinals victory. This is, I, I'm more excited about this Cardinals team than I've been about uh, you know, any Cardinals team in a, in a long time. And I would really love to see what they could do in a, you know, in, in a full series in the post season. So i just really hope we get a chance to, to see that. So any other final thoughts before we wrap it up today?
1: Um, I just, I really like your observation about not losing the game. I think on the base paths and in the field, you know, the Cardinals just get all of these little wins over the course of a game Uh, that helps them uh, win the game overall. And so uh, behind Wainwright, he'll have an exceptionally good uh, fielding team. And if they're able to get base runners against Scherzer, uh, they're going to leverage that to the maximum extent possible. And I just think that's a really good observation. And um, I'm hopeful that they are able to play the game on those terms um, and do so successfully. So I just wanted to say, I, I think that's a really great observation and, uh, fingers crossed, uh, that Wainwright and the Cardinals, uh, can land a
0: punch on the chin of the Dodgers and, uh, knock them down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one way or the other, we'll be, uh, we'll be back with you, um, on, uh, Maybe on Thursday. I don't know. Ben, I think we're watching the game together Wednesday night. I don't feel like we'll be in a state to record a podcast immediately after the game in in, in either way, whether it goes good or bad. <laughs> so we'll see when the, the pod drops, if um, how soon after after Wednesday's game. But, um, but you'll definitely be hearing from us after the game. Um, Hopefully, it will be uh, excitedly recapping the win in the wild card game and previewing the division series. Um, if not, of course, we'll be looking back on the season and, and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, we will uh, look forward to uh, talking to you again on the next Cardinals Off Day podcast. Thanks, everybody.